edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast where nobody told us there'd be days like these. Nobody told us there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Most peculiar, Mama. Whoa. Greetings, I'm John Lennon. With me, as always, is my co-host with the most, my chief collaborator, my Yoko Ono, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, a very happy holiday to you, sir. Happy holiday to you as well, man. And, you know, thank you so much for everything over the past, I don't know, what has it been, like seven, eight years or something that we've worked together? Um, you're just the most generous and incredible person, man. You're, you're just a really good dude that wants to do great things for people. And that's what this podcast is about, right? Is getting the word out and uh, doing good stuff. Anyway, uh, you're awesome, and I, I couldn't be more grateful. Merry Christmas, man. Most excellent. As always, we'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their website and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this program are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. On November 9th, Anchorage Deputy Police Chief Gerard Aslan, a 25-year veteran of the department, abruptly resigned his position without explanation. Less than two weeks later, on November 30th, Anchorage Police Chief Kenneth McCoy, less than a year into a job he worked 26 years to achieve, abruptly resigned his position without explanation. Since those announcements, there has been little said or shared about the back-to-back -back departures of Anchorage's two top law enforcement officers. But last week, the information dam began to crack. The first revelations came from our good friend Jeff Landfield at the Alaska Landmine. Landfield, reporting on anonymous sources, describing a deteriorating atmosphere at the Anchorage Police Department as Mayor Bronson exerts undue influence over police department policy and direction. Now, it's not uncommon for the mayor to give direction to the police chief. For instance, you might remember in 2014 when Anchorage downtown was exploding with drunken violence at bar break. Well, it was then Mayor Dan Sullivan who instructed the police chief to direct his officers not to go into the downtown bars at the behest of bar owners because they thought a police presence would dampen drink sales. But Landfield's biggest bombshell was that Mayor Bronson's encroachment on the police force has been fueled by the desire to wrestle control from the police chief and the entire police union and place them in the hands of a select secret group. Now, this sounds a little too conspiratorial, doesn't it? Sounds way too much like the movie Star Chamber, right? Ladies and gentlemen, it is true. Mayor Dave Bronson has cultivated his own shadow police force called the Men's Club. And on this episode of With All Due Respect, we are going to tell the story of how Mayor Dave Bronson's shadow police force is aiding his attempts to take over both the police department leadership and the police union while silencing its critics. So, let's talk some police politics. politics. And now, 
for some politics. politics. Chapter 1 The Men's Club Who are they? Since the election of Dave Bronson, a secret shadowy group of active and retired officers who attend the Anchorage Baptist Temple have been approving the major decisions at APD since day one. The group is called the Men's Club, and it gelled during Bronson's run for office, and now with Bronson as mayor, the group has manifested itself into his APD star chamber. Although it's called the Men's Club, the club does boast one woman member, Amy Domboski. In fact, Domboski has even asked to delay the public release of certain department information until she, quote, meets with the Men's Club. This attempt to control both the police department and the union by Mayor Bronson can be traced back to a column he wrote eight years ago. In a column where Bronson reasoned that Adolf Hitler wasn't all bad, the mayor wrote about the conditions that allow for tyranny to flourish. One of those conditions is, according to Bronson, quote, a powerful police force which swears fealty to the tyrant himself. This is exactly what Bronson is attempting to accomplish with his takeover of both the police department and the police union. Mayor Bronson and his men's club want to control the entire public safety apparatus. Chapter 2. The Men's Club. Undue Influence at APD. Over the last several months, it's been clear that the men's club would have sway over key police decisions. While traditionally the police chief gets to appoint his own leadership team, Bronson refused to allow Chief McCoy to make the selection and instead insisted inserting himself and Dabosky into the process with the ultimate approval given by the men's club. A few weeks later, when replacing the person in the command structure, both Bronson and Domboski insisted on the chief appointing an officer that was completely unqualified. After the chief pushed back and informed the mayor there was a union process required to fill vacancies, it took inviting Amy Domboski herself to sit in on the interview of the candidates before Domboski was convinced by the chief the men's club's hand-picked candidate wasn't qualified. Then, after the decision had been made about who to hire for the position, Domboski made APD wait to release the announcement until she could, quote, check with the men's club. In fact, Mayor Bronson's love of cronyism in appointing unqualified applicants almost manifested itself in hiring an unqualified police chief recently. After Chief McCoy's resignation, Bronson stunned APD leadership when he proposed appointing a retired detective to assume command of the department, quite possibly a member of the men's club. In addition, Bronson's men's club has taken an active role in attempting to take control of the police union. You remember the old legal adage that the back door forbids what the front door doesn't allow? Well, the last conservative mayor was locked out of the front door after trying to destroy the police union with AO37, but voters soundly defeated the attempt. Well, the next conservative mayor and his men's club are kicking down the back door trying to destroy the union from within by stacking the board with Bronson allies. Bronson's men's club has also been engaged in the department's COVID policies. When Bronson took over, he and Domboski mandated all APDs regarding COVID had to be blessed by City Hall. Now, before Bronson was elected, masks were mandated by Chief McCoy. The protocol was this. Once a suspect was arrested, they were tested for COVID at the jail. If this suspect tested positive, the contacting officer had to quarantine for 14 days. 
But instead of the full 14 days, McCoy elected to follow the CDC guidance that was if the officer was wearing a mask and had been vaccinated, they only had to quarantine for seven days instead of the full 14. This meant officers who were masked and had been vaxxed could return to the force faster. While there were cases, they averaged only five to seven per day, with the highest being eight officers out at any given time. However, Bronson not only put a stop to the chief's mask mandates for officers, but also forbid him from making allowance for those officers who were masked and vaxxed. That meant, even though an officer was eligible to return to the force after seven days, Bronson forced them to take the full 14 days. As a result of Bronson's men's club, when protocols ended, cases doubled. At one time, APD had 18 officers unavailable. And reportedly, some officers used their forced quarantine time to take two-week paid vacations, while their longer absence from the job resulted in the police force either working short or paying overtime. Chapter 3. The Men's Club. Destroying Chain of Command. On November 9th, Deputy Chief Gerard Aslan, a dedicated officer of 25 years, stepped down from his post as Deputy Chief of Police. Nothing publicly has been explained about why a talented officer who was just hired five months ago by the mayor would take a self-demotion and return to the front lines rather than continue to work with City Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, two words. Amy Dimboski. Mayor Bronson's creation of a shadow police force has empowered the men's club members to go around the chain of command and complain directly to Domboski and Bronson. This has had the effect of crushing morale and trust at APD for those adhering to the traditional chain of command. Now, back to Chief Deputy Aslan. Sometime before November 9th, an anonymous complaint was sent directly to Domboski that the deputy chief was handing out patrol assignments based on whether those officers wore masks. The anonymous complaint said those officers who wore masks were rewarded with sweet patrol assignments like Midtown or Hillside, while those officers who didn't wear masks were given less desirable patrol assignments like Downtown. However, there was one really big problem with the anonymous complaint. The deputy chief is not responsible for handing out patrol assignments. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, there are layers of captains, sergeants, lieutenants who make these decisions, not the deputy chief. So even though the anonymous complaint was completely false, Dimboski demanded Chief McCoy fire his deputy chief, even though, as I said, the complaint was completely baseless. The fact is, this wasn't about preferential patrols or mass. This was about Amy Domboski attempting to get rid of the deputy chief at the behest of the men's club. Chapter 4. The Men's Club. The Tipping Point for Chief McCoy. On November 30th, in a surprise announcement, Anchorage Police Chief Kenneth McCoy, less than a year into the job he worked 26 years to achieve, abruptly resigned without any explanation. The road to Chief McCoy's resignation was paved by incident after incident where the police chief was being asked to take actions by both Bronson and Dabosky that were both inappropriate and quite possibly illegal. It all began to unravel on the night of October 7th during one of the most contentious assembly meetings in history over the proposed mask mandate. During the midst of that chaotic meeting, the mayor's office, in an attempt to intimidate the assembly, inexplicably dismissed the private security contractors who helped the assembly maintain order in the chambers. And if that wasn't enough, Bronson and Domboski then ordered Chief McCoy to instruct his department officers to leave the assembly chambers as well. 
but fortunately McCoy adamantly refused their demands, stating that while APD could not perform crowd control, their presence was required to protect public officials and respond to criminal activities. Just two days later, on October 9th, McCoy found himself again dealing with an out-of-control mayor after the mayor's legislative director, Terrence Shanigan, was caught trying to sneak into Providence Hospital to create a scene to embarrass the hospital and the police were yet again forced to get involved. The final straw for Chief Ken McCoy came on November 18th when Mayor Bronson, acting on bad information, ordered Chief McCoy to send officers into Providence Hospital under the guise of a wellness check to compel hospital staff to treat the man with ivermectin. McCoy was instructed by the mayor to have doctors, nurses, or other hospital personnel who attempted to interfere with APD's operation to be arrested. Now, of course, Chief McCoy, who has spent 26 years in a job that demands you be able to defuse situations, did just that. First, he suggested they have a discussion with the city attorney, and then he suggested Bronson reach out to Providence before storming the hospital. However, Mayor Bronson, he wasn't playing that. He didn't want to hear that from Chief McCoy. Why? Because as you'll remember, since the start of his term just six months ago, Bronson has constantly attacked Providence Hospital, its medical professionals, its administration. He's accused them of everything about lying from COVID deaths, all of it. Also, as I mentioned previously, just a month earlier, one of Bronson's staffers illegally attempted to enter Providence in an attempt to create a scene captured on video to embarrass the hospital. Thankfully, Chief McCoy ended up being able to masterfully navigate the situation, buying enough time until they realized, ladies and gentlemen, until they finally realized that the patient wasn't even at the main hospital, but at a different Providence facility. Mayor Bronson ordering the chief of police to have officers force their way into Providence Hospital, suggesting they arrest any doctor or nurse who attempted to interfere with them without any legal justification should simply scare the hell out of all of us. And the fact that he didn't even have the correct hospital before giving the order should show he is completely dangerous. The reason Chief Ken McCoy quit after investing 26 years in the Anchorage Police Force was because he kept seeing the patterns of behavior where he'd continue to be asked to carry out orders that he'd be at odds with. He saw a deteriorating environment of authority and constant meddling in police affairs by the mayor after being told he'd be left alone to run the department when he was hired. For 26 years, Ken McCoy served his community, working his way to become the first black police chief in APD's 100-year history. He got there only to face the agonizing decision to continue working for a mayor that was constantly placing him in unwinnable positions, where he'd have to take responsibility for police decisions made by Bronson and his men's club. Ladies and gentlemen, the problem with shadow influence is when the bright lights are finally turned on, those shadows disappear. Imagine if McCoy had sent those officers into the hospital, and then when things went sideways, he'd be left to explain his decision when it wasn't his decision at all. No. Chief Ken McCoy saw the writing on the wall and wanted to go out on his terms. For us, the resignation of Chief McCoy is just simply a news cycle. It's a one-day story that we'll forget and move on. Meanwhile, Chief Ken McCoy will live it every day. Ladies and gentlemen, where does it end? At what point do Bronson and Dabosky go too far? They've lied about tampering with public employees. They've lied about tampering with public access. 
They've lied about tampering with public water. And now they're lying about tampering with public safety. So again, where does it end? When do voters decide the last five months of chaos has gone too far? Never before has a mayor done so much damage in such short time. Never before has a mayor operated with such ignorance and arrogance while defying the law. We have just witnessed five months of the most alarming behavior from a mayor who won by the slimmest margin in Anchorage history. My friends, the attacks on democracy, the attacks on accepted norms, the attacks on healthcare workers, the attacks on public safety officials, it's enough already. Ladies and gentlemen, the new year is upon us, and I seriously believe it's time to start talking about recalling Mayor Dave Bronson. In closing comments, some personal holiday thanks from Van and I. This year, we have been truly blessed with the response to our podcast. Since launching our show in May, we have aired 46 shows and have received over 66,000 downloads. And to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, some weeks we can't get this done without your support. Today's episode is a show that I struggle to script due to the breadth of the content and the fear of failing to tell the story right. And more importantly, I just couldn't land on structure or form. Then Wednesday afternoon, the logjam broke thanks to three listeners. The first message came from the spouse of an Anchorage police officer. She had seen the promo for this episode on social media, and she wanted to tell me that everything that was reported in the Alaska landmine was completely true. She also wanted to tell me that she was worried about her husband, and she was worried about the department, and hoped I would tell the entire story. I won't lie, ladies and gentlemen, it was heartbreaking. And then, just like an hour later, my wonderful wife walked in with the mail, and yours truly had received a card. This very sweet Christmas card came from two of our listeners named Brian and Jennifer, who wrote in their card, We just wanted to thank you for with all due respect. It has been wonderful to have you and Van join us for dinner once or twice a week. Keep up the great work. Both of these messages was really the win that I needed to clear the clouds and put this podcast together in a coherent fashion. So Tracy, Jennifer, and Brian, thank you. And to all of our listeners, Van and I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy, Happy New Year. And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. We will be back next week with a year-end show, so remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, and of course, you can always find them on the Anchorage Daily News website. Van, do you have any closing holiday thoughts? I just want to echo your thanks to our listeners. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And thank you, Andrew, for all of the really hard work that you put into every single episode. It really shows. Happy holidays, everybody. All right. That is our time today, and we thank you for yours. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs>